Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church Podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone. And today we are in week 35 of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. Today I'm going to be talking to you about questions 96 through 98. And you might remember from last week, we are in the middle of a study on the Ten Commandments, right? We've reached that point in the Heidelberg Catechism, where we're looking at how we respond to the grace of God with gratitude and thankfulness. And one of the ways that we do that is that we seek to honor God in being obedient to Him and particularly obedient to His commands. And the, the, the pinnacle of God revealing His commands to us in the Scriptures, or especially in the Old Testament, is the Ten Commandments. And so we're studying through the Ten Commandments, trying to understand how they would apply to us today as believers in Christ. And it's in those Ten Commandments that God outlines several prohibitions about how we are to uh, worship Him, how we are to represent Him. And that's really what we're going to be looking at today. The second of the Ten Commandments is the prohibition about representing God with images and worshiping those images as though they are God. Now, last week we focused on the first commandment, which was about worshiping the wrong God. Well, the second commandment is about worshiping the, the right God, the true God, in the wrong way. So let's remind ourselves what that commandment states. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 8 for us. God says this, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything that is in the heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, when you think of idolatry, what comes into your mind? Well, many of us have ideas. We, we might have the idea of small statues made to represent a god or a goddess. And that statue might be settled in the midst of a shrine surrounded by burning candles or incense. And then out in front of that shrine, we might picture a person on their knees with their head bowed and their hands clasped together offering prayers. I don't have to think very hard to imagine a scene like this. I've spent some time in the country of India and idolatry is alive and well in that country. It is not uncommon to be walking down the street of a city and to see an actual shrine set aside with an idol with a small statue in that painted up or painted in gold and there would be flowers around that image and there would be people walking by uh, bowing down and offering prayers or maybe even giving money offering some kind of a, a sacrifice uh, to that particular idol. And in some cases, those idols are, are large. There's actually a temple there. And inside that temple is a, uh, a statue, a representation of a particular god, a false god. And people are constantly going in and out, offering sacrifices, offering uh, offerings, and, and offering worship to that particular god. Sometimes, um, some of us have gone into restaurants. I can think of some Asian food restaurants where you go in and there's a small idol, a Buddha or something else that is by the register. And that, that image is there representing the God that the people who own that are actually worshiping. 
Some of us might have a different image seared into our minds, maybe something we saw in a movie. Um, Maybe you have biblical scenes in mind. Maybe you think about where false gods were worshipped, maybe in in Acts chapter 17, where the Apostle Paul stands in the midst of the Areopagus, but before he got there, he was uh, incensed by the Holy Spirit because he was standing in a city that was filled with idols. Maybe you think about Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel mocking the priests of Baal who were unable to get their God to show himself. Or perhaps your mind went to the Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai, worshiping at the feet of a golden calf that they had decided to call Yahweh. Whatever image comes into your mind when you think of idolatry, um, there, there are all kinds of them, but perhaps that last image, that, that last idea of the, the Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai, while, while they had just been redeemed from their slavery in Egypt, but they they were standing before a golden calf that they had decided to call Yahweh, maybe that is a a clearer, closer connection to the second commandment than any of those other images. Because what God is, is forbidding in the second commandment is not just making an image, but making an image of Him making something on this earth uh, in the form, well, uh, using something on this earth as a representation of him and then bowing down to worship it. Question number 96 actually says this, what is God's will for us in the second commandment? And the answer is that in that we in no way make any image of God nor worship him in any other way than he has commanded in his word. You see, this commandment forbids us to worship our Creator on our terms. Actually, this command is forbidding two things. It forbids us to make images to represent God in any form, especially in the forms of beasts on the earth or in the water. So it forbids us to make an image to represent God. And then secondly, it forbids us worshiping an image of any kind. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, he writes this, in its Christian application, this means that we are not to make use of visual or pictorial representations of the triune God or of any person of the Trinity for the purpose of Christian worship. The commandment thus deals not with the objects of our worship, but with the manner of it. What it tells us is that statues and pictures of the one whom we worship are not to be used as an aid in worshiping him. Now, if you've never read J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, I highly recommend you read it, not just for this particular subject, but for many others. It's a wonderful book. But what he's drawing out is really a debate that's been going on for a number of years, and he's, he's giving us a Christian application of this second commandment. And over the years, this particular commandment, this particular issue has been debated in great detail. And questions like this have been asked. Does the second commandment apply to the the coloring pages that we give our children in Sunday school? Well, some say yes and others say no. Does this mean that Christians should not create artwork portraying the life, ministry, death, and even the resurrection of Jesus? Well, some say yes and others say no. Should Christians use nativity scenes in their holiday decorating? I'm not even going to touch that one. (laughs) But wherever you come down on these debates... I think it is vitally important that we take this second command seriously. God commands his followers not to fashion nor to create images that are to be used to represent God, 
to us and that are intended to be used as aids in our worship. Now, what about question 97? Question 97 says this, may we not make any image at all? And the answer is this, God cannot and may not be visibly portrayed in any way. Although creatures may be portrayed, yet God forbids making or having such images if one's intention is to worship them or to serve God through them. Now, I like the first part of that answer because it it breaks it down into two ways. Number one, God cannot and God may not be visibly portrayed. God cannot be visibly portrayed. We We cannot find any image of a created being that accurately portrays who God is. And then, on the second hand, God has forbidden us to try. Now, one of the most natural follow-up questions to the prohibitions about making an image to represent God is, why not, right? I mean, what is the big deal? And for starters, I've already said it, I'll just restate it. It is impossible for us to create an image that accurately represents Yahweh. He is unlike any being in the universe. He is unique. He is holy. And what that word holy means in, in, in at least one sense is that he is separate from everything else. He is one of a kind. And any image or representation of him will fall short of the truth of who he is. God is spirit, which means that he cannot be seen. He cannot be made into an image. And to do so would be to falsely represent his glory, his nature, and his person. It would obscure his invisible glory for us to use a man-made image or even to use the image of a created thing in an attempt to represent him with accuracy. We can't do it. In other words, any attempt on our part to make a graven image would result in a misrepresentation of God's true glory. And then on the flip side, an image of God would mislead us and give us a false idea of who he is. So it's one thing to insult God by trying to imagine Him in a finite way, and it is another thing, quite another thing, for us to accept an image of God as an adequate substitute for the real thing. In the first instance, God is being mocked, and in the second instance, we are actually not worshiping God, we're worshiping a false God. And what God is doing in forbidding us to make an image and then to worship that image is God is forbidding both errors in the second commandment. He doesn't want us to diminish his glory, and he doesn't want us to worship something that is false. He wants us to uphold his glory by not creating an image, and he wants us to worship him as he has revealed himself in his word. And that's where question 98 comes in. But may not images be permitted in the churches as teaching aids for the unlearned? And the answer is no. We shouldn't try to be wiser than God. He wants his people instructed by the living preaching of his word, not by idols that cannot even talk. So this question brings up another argument, another point of debate, but it goes back to a very specific time in the history of God's people. This goes back to the time of the Protestant Reformation. And the argument at that particular time between the Protestant reformers and the Roman Catholic Church, the the argument from the Roman Catholic side was that if the church removed the painted images depicting stories from the Bible, which contained artist renderings of God, then the average person attending church who was unable to read the scriptures, they wouldn't be able to understand what God had revealed to them in his word. Therefore, they they argued that the images, or what they called the books of the laity, that they aided people in understanding the faith. And without these images, that faith would not exist. 
and basically they were making this argument. All of these images, all of these beautiful frescoes, all of these paintings, all of these representations of the stages of the cross and the, the stories from the scriptures, those were images that were basically like books. And people who couldn't read would look at those images and they would be able to piece together the story of scripture. And, and to remove those would be to, to keep those uneducated individuals from being able to know the story of the faith. And the Reformers responded to all of that argumentation by saying that, okay, if that's true, then it is up to us to teach them what the Bible says. It is the responsibility of Christians, especially church leaders, to teach God's Word faithfully to the next generation, to accurately teach God's Word, and to always teach God's Word. We cannot, we must not rely on images or in modern times to rely on video clips or theatrical sermonettes in order to instruct God's people about Him. You see, God has given us His Word, and we must read it and teach it and preach it and explain it. God has given us His Gospel, and we must proclaim it and explain it and answer the questions that come up. Our goal in worship and in life as believers is not to entertain people, but to instruct them with the Word of God. Our goal in the church is not to give advice for life and then to sprinkle the occasional Bible verse in for good measure. Our goal is to proclaim the whole counsel of the Word of God and allow it to do its work in the hearts of not only those who believe, but also in those who do not, so that God can accomplish His purpose and we can be faithful in the task of making disciples. Now, next week, we're going to continue our study in these Ten Commandments by looking at the third commandment, which focuses in on taking the Lord's name in vain. That's going to be a good one. I hope you'll join me for that discussion next week as we look at Lord's Day 36, questions 99 and 100. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at cbcwiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all new content. Thank you so much for listening.